Hello and welcome to our Tuesday 5 p.m. Eastern live stream on YouTube. So if you remember, we are talking to on this weekly on Tuesdays, we're talking about an officer who went into hell, which he called a hell. Spiritism calls it a type of purgatory. Before I begin, please hit the subscribe, hit the bell. Give me a thumbs up. It helps the algorithms for more people to understand and discover spiritism. So what we, let's talk about a little bit last week. So what we learned last week is the officer went, went, was on the lower zone, which is on the crust of the earth up to the bottom level of heaven. He went even further down below the crust of the earth into what spiritism calls the dark abyss. And of course he calls it here, hell. Now remember, Spiritism says there is no eternal punishment. Once you change your attitude, just like the officer, the officer's relating the story after he decided to exit hell and go to a little, you know, uh, hospital or, you know, or some sort of sanctuary where he can start learning how to be a better person and go towards the light. And so what happened in the last one is this, this officer decided to use the force of his, his uh, intellect and he, he enslaved uh, another person. He, he dominated this person and this person took him to a gladiatorial games because the emperor of that city was having a gladiatorial games to celebrate a victory because they have wars. There's organization in hell. I know it's all very strange, but there's all, there's, you know, there's these, and none of them are good, right? The people who are in in the dark abyss are there because the law of affinity. They're with other people like them. It's not like here on earth where we have good, bad, and indifferent, all sorts of levels of people all together in most places. It's like your public school, uh, middle school, or junior high, as you know, different places call it, where you've got all sorts of type of people and you see all sorts of things. No. When you're down in that level, it's it's all the people who should be in that level because they don't treat others nicely. It's it's the opposite of the golden rule. In the dark abyss, you're treated as you have treated others. Now, the other thing I want to say before I get into the story is the focus and energy of this officer. And this officer had a lot of intellectual ability and he he could focus his mind very adroitly. And I wanted to bring this up because it comes in a lot more as what I'm talking about later <clears throat> today. But also I wanted to bring it up because I have people talk to me, say, well, you know, and a lot of people say we should not talk to spirits. And they said, well, why can't we talk to spirits? And, I, and the spirits have said, yes, you should be able to speak with spirits. I know a lot of religions and say, no, no, you can't. Don't communicate with spirits, they're demons, etc. Although, like in the Bible, when they communicate with spirits, they communicate with angels. Those are spirits. They're just high spirits. But one of the things that I think is useful to understand when I'm talking about these lower spirits, who nevertheless are extremely intelligent. You know, as they say in the spirits book, you can be a very mean, terrible person and yet still be extremely intelligent intelligent because you've gone through life after life and you've you've in you've increased your your iq so to say but you haven't increased your spiritual iq and therefore that's why you can you can find people 
who are not nice people, but who are very uh, evil. It's a, they are very wrong, I should say. I shouldn't use the word evil. Spiritism doesn't like to use that. They're wrong. They're ignorant. Immature, undeveloped are the better words that I should be using. So I just wanted to say that. So keep that in mind. If people are interested in talking to spirits, that's why I always say, okay, that's fine. But just some things you should do first. One is read Alan Kardec's The, the Medium's Book, which is tells you all about different spirits, tells you the different levels of spirits, tells you that spirits can come and try to fool you, and then you have to keep talking to them until you can classify them or what type of spirits they are. The other thing you should do is meditate and try to get in touch with your guardian angel. Thirdly is if you do want to talk to spirits, try to have other people with you around the table and then do that at a, at a set time, let's say once a week, let's say at seven o'clock on Tuesdays, you do that every Tuesday at seven o'clock PM, let's say. It should be in the, in the evening when it's a little bit darker. If you do that at seven o'clock PM, then what happens is the good spirits around you will come and they will help, they'll help guard you against the more malevolent spirits. And that's why it's, you know, and when I talk about the officer here and how focus he is, and you can see, and it happens on earth too, where people can dominate another person just with their, their intellect and their magnetism. And the same thing can happen when you communicate with spirits, if you don't know what to look for, and if you don't have a firm foundation of faith, that's why you should study spiritism, understand spirits, and really have that firm foundation. Then I would say you're pretty safe to go ahead and see if you can communicate with spirits. That's how most people do that, but have a good foundation. So let's go on with the officer. So we left him. He was at this uh, Coliseum. And so therefore, on this one, we're going to talk about the theater in hell. So let me start writing from, from the, uh, the medium's point of view. And he said, the newcomer's face was as I described it when I saw him clairvoyantly. It was a strong face, but not a pleasant one. Nevertheless, I thought it looked much less marked with evil than it had done when I last saw him. I greeted him in a friendly spirit, and he at once took up the thread of the, his narrative when he had dropped it in his last letter. So then, now the officer goes, at length the show was over, and, and as we dispersed, my slave and I took up our positions near a gateway to watch the egress of the emperor. So here is this, this pretty newcomer into hell, already got himself he's dominating a person and so he said soon a wild throng appeared around the emperor's chariot i noticed many spirits both male and female quite naked and i said to my slave this is the first time i've seen naked spirits we always seem to close ourselves by instinct and he replied well they are compelled to assume this shape by the emperor to amuse his evil passions so again we have this very probably the emperor's very again a focused, intelligent individual who is forcing people to do what he's, he wants them to do. And the officer said, well, it's not possible for them, though, to have relations with one or the other, is it? And the slave said, surely, master, you must know by now th that having no physical bodies, we cannot enjoy any physical pleasures. We can pretend to do these things, but it is all a hollow sham, a vain pretense. Our passions burn as first fiercely as ever, but we have no bodies with which to gratify them. He, and so, again, this is you know something that 
uh, when you go into heaven, you lose you lose those carnal passions because there's other things that take this place. It, it, and uh, there's a couple things that people know they're going to miss when they go into the spirit world. You know, one is eating. I have a lot of people say, "Oh, you know, I really like to eat," and you don't really need to eat when you go up there because you're you're this uh, ethereal being. Your energy and matter. You're much higher higher ratio of energy to matter. And as you go higher and higher, you get higher and higher ratio of energy to matter. So, but, and you're really not going to have relations with people. And, but those things will all naturally, when you're in the levels of heaven, will all naturally become lesser in priority because there'll be so many other great things you're concentrating on. Just think when you're like reading a good book or you're finding out something or you're doing something you're really interested in, there's nothing else exists. You're in this, this, this state, right? This, this, where you're just completely into whatever you're doing. That is really much more what you're going to be when you're in heaven. You're going to have good friends. And other things aren't going to be as important as we think they are right now. So then the officer says, "What are there animals in hell?" And I cried as several great hunting dogs dashed, pot, dashed past us. And he replied. No, these are the spirits of men and women whom the emperor compels to assume this shape, just as the others are compared to appear naked or as children. He is so powerful that he can compel us to assume any shape he chooses, even that of his furniture. The latter is a favorite amusement of his. So again, this, is, this shows you thought is action. If he compelled that person to uh, assume the shape of a chair... A person will assume the shape of a chair. Now, all this is is very strange, and this is in this book, um, Gone West. Now, and this is not by a spiritist author. This is a spiritist medium. But there's other books by spiritist mediums that say the same thing, where this very controlling authority in hell, in the dark abyss, I should say, compel someone to take the shape of like a, a like a wolf because she was a horrible person and she killed her husband and some of her children and he said no you need to be in the shape of a wolf and she kind of her face started elongating and so forth and then also the fact that where this this the, the officer could dominate someone and force him to come to where he wanted him to is i've read in books by g Val owen where uh this doctor who just recently gone in, into the dark abyss was forced onto a stage. He tried to, he tried to deny the force, but the people on the stage said, no, you, you're, you're coming up here. And he had to walk onto the stage and then he was tortured on the stage. So these are the things. And so this sounds so medieval, does it not? This is the whole concept of this type of purgatory, this dark abyss and this lower zone where you're with, other people like you and there's cruelty it sounds it sounds horrible and yet it all has a purpose because no one's there who doesn't fit there and as long as soon as you don't want to be there and you ask for help and you say i don't think i should torture people i don't think i should dominate people then you're out of there you're only there because of what you've done yourself and so this whole thing is really important to realize is how does how does 
Jesus and God, how do they fight evil? Well, what they do is they use evil to fight evil. It's not like the Westerns where someone has six guns as a good guy and he kills the bad guy. It doesn't work because spirits are immortal and they have free will and they, they're allowed to be as cruel and stupid as they want to be for as long as they want to be. But at some point in time, they will always rise up to the light. And what happens then is for these people who are cruel and mean, it's like this officer, because he gets to be pretty powerful. He will decide, I don't like this. This is not my my way of life. And then, because evil, the evil uh, environment around him will, will tell him, this is not how I want to be. So, so then he says, the procession passed amid scenes of the wildest debauchery and cruelty. A long shriek of anguish rose as it slowly passed along. Various forms of torture were being inflicted, sometimes on the member of the imperial cortege and sometimes on the spectators who lined the route. In particular, I noticed that the dogs were repeatedly set to worry some of the women and men in the procession or to drag spectators before the emperor. On he rode in this chariot, the picture of cruelty and pride. His face was so lined by evil that it was almost impossible to realize what his original features had been like. I should think, however, that in his youth on earth, he had been a handsome man, but evil had almost obliterated this. Who is he, I inquired. Is he Nero? Nero, of course, was the Roman emperor who, um, pretty cruel, not as cruel as Caliglia, but he also tortured a lot of, uh, of the Christians. And then, he, sprayed, and then his, he said, my slave replied, no, master, I have forgotten who he was, but I do know that he is not Nero. Nero is a slave to this man. Nero is very feeble being compared with the emperor. And although he has several times tried to raise rebellion against the emperor, the latter has always crushed him sooner or later. Still, Nero is very cunning and often escapes from the vigilance of those who have to guard him. Each time he is caught, the emperor inflicts the most excruciating torments upon him. Indeed, torturing Nero is one of the emperor's favorite amusements. So isn't that, isn't that amazing when you, when you think of that, is that here we are, have, and this was written at the beginning of the 20th century. And here is the officer talking about Nero still in a hell being tortured. Now, Nero will be able to escape when he changes his attitude and his personality. But right now, he hasn't chosen to do that. So then he, the officer inquired, but surely you must know who the emperor was when alive, because I've forgotten if I ever knew. He goes, you liar, don't you, you don't forget. Tell me at once. So this is the officer got a little bit upset with his, uh, with his dominated person there, his slave. He goes, and then he said, as I could get nothing out of him, I began to imagine the most horrible torments I could devise. And by willing that he should suffer them, caused him to writhe in anguish. However, as he evidently did not know the name, I at last grew tired of this amusement and bade him rise and show me something else to entertain me. He goes, I will take you to a theater, he answered. He goes, what sort of performance do you have there? He goes, oh, extremely clever and exciting. They deal with all the famous cases of hate and cruelty which have occurred on earth. And if possible, our managers try to get the original persons to reenact the same scenes here as on earth. He goes, the officer said, don't you have, don't you have anything dealing with lust or drink? 
And the officers and this, the slave said, poor guy, because they come in as sub subsidiary parts of the plot. But this is the city of hate and cruelty. And therefore, that is the dominant inspiration of all our plays here. In the cities of lust, it is, of course, lust that dominates. Still, as the latter often produces cruelty, we see a fair number of representations of it and other pleasant vices. So here we go, pleasant vices. So again, this is this is what is there. This is this is cruelty. This is this is where people who are locked into those kind of inferior human passions and they're getting they're getting plenty of it. And I guess you know that's the law of affinity. Okay, you want to be that way? You're going to get it. See how you like it. This is how the spirit world, they use evil to fight evil. Then the officer says, are any fresh plays composed here? He goes, no, not many. And those are about a reshuffling of the ideas which have been enacted on earth. However, there are plenty of real dramas of cruelty being enacted on earth every day. So we are never at loss for a new play. And the officer said, nothing original ever comes out of hell, I suppose. And his, his servant said, nothing so far as I know, but plenty of perversions and parodies from elsewhere. So now, then they stood before the doors of the great theater. They had walked some distance, and the, here the building seemed fairly modern. The theater was certainly quite modern, but it looked dirty and neglected. The latter was, however, certainly not the case. On the contrary, people were hurrying through the doors in considerable numbers. We went with the crowd, and once through the door, our ears were assailed by a fearful noise due to the fact that almost everyone was quarreling with his next-door neighbor, either alleging that he had pushed him or that he had tried to rob him or some other pretended reason. At the booking office, a constant wrangle seemed to be in the process between the booking clerk and each person who came demanding a seat. So then, annoyed by the continual roll, I called up all my willpower, and despite the angry protests of the crowd, forced my way through to the booking office, dragging my slave with me. The latter, safe under my protection, did his best to hurt several of those we passed, and succeeded in catching a woman by their hair and throwing her on the ground, where the crowd ruthlessly trampled her underfoot. So, I mean, this, this is really disheartening, disheartening things to read. This is a horrible place. And if you read the books by um, Chico Xavier, Francisco C. Xavier, you can find those on Amazon. There's a book called Liberation, which is the spirit under Lee's, Andre, Andre Louise goes into the, the uh, levels of, of the dark abyss or of hell and sees similarly quite similar things. There's also the book called The the Memoirs of a Suicide by Yvonne Pierre, a spiritist medium, and sees these things. There's also NDEs. Now, there's a small percentage of people who've had near-death experiences who go down into the lower depths. And I know there's one NDE where this person was, he wouldn't even talk about it. He said, I was completely abused by these spirits, and I won't even say what they did to me. So these, you know, from, and of course, from different sources, in different perspectives, we are getting this. And this, again, what you know, if you look at this and you look at it just a sec, oh, there's, there's a hell, there's a terrible place. And, you know, God punishes us. And no, that's not the way to look at it. It's these, this is all part of the process for us to be perfect. And these sections, these lower zone and the dark abyss, what they call hell here in, in this book, 
are all there to rip out of you these primitive emotions. Now, you may say, well, they're actually amplifying them right now. He's torturing people. He's having fun doing it. Well, yes, it does. That happens, right? They will be satiated with this cruelty, but then it will get old. And it's, as the spirits say, there's nobody all bad. It's like there's nobody all good. It's all, it's all you know, shades. And so, therefore, in anyone, demon in hell, and, of course, when we say, you know, the word demon, it's like these people are us, right? They are people like us who have gone to that level. That Someday they will be angels and perfect spirits too, but it may take millions of years and who knows how many thousands upon thousands of lives by reincarnation in this process of going through trials and tribulation. So I'll carry on with the book. We made for the stalls, and on entering the theater proper, I perceived that nearly half the audience was engaged in quarreling and fighting. So, again, it sounds like a, an unsupervised, you know, show at, at some middle school where no one can control themselves. So I'll carry on. Close by us in the stalls, a man and woman were fighting. They had evidently been people of good social position on earth, and their clothes, though dirty and torn, had at one time been expensive and fashionable. Yet these two fought like any people from the slums might have done. And as we watched, the man who was evidently the stronger willed dashed the woman to the ground between the seats. He deliberately stamped upon her and then sat down on his seat and used her body as a footstool, pounding her every now and then if she attempted to rise. Seeing us, he signaled us to pass him, adding, Don't mind her, just walk over her. I like to make a carpet over her, it does her good. To emphasize this, he gave her a savage kick in the jaw. We walked across her to some seats beyond him, which were vacant. It was the most extraordinary sensation for her body, felt like real flesh and blood, and she squirmed and shrieked as if alive. Of course, she really did feel suffering similar to those she would have felt on earth under the circumstance. But though our actions here so forth our wills, it is our wills which inflict the pain. So again, this is a central truth that Spiritism tells us. When we go and leave our physical bodies behind us, we have our perispirit, which is our, our belief of what we look like. And that's how we look like, unless someone more dominant makes us look like something else like that emperor did. And you can't die. And you feel pain. There's a couple ways you feel pain. One is you think you feel pain because let's say you fell down a cliff and you think you should feel pain, although you don't didn't really have to or you've had some previous conditions where you still think you had it and you still think you feel the pain or there's someone who's a dominant personality that that is inflicting pain on you and the way to escape that is to get out of that environment and become a better person but that takes that takes a real change in your your attitude and your character so i'll carry on with the officer so seated next to us were two women Handsome they must have been at one time, but they were rendered hideous by the expression of the most fiendish cruelty which overspread their faces. Their eyes were still blue-gray and their hair golden in hue. I surveyed them carefully for a minute or two, and the nearest one to me, who said her name was Rose, spoke, Well, I seem to fascinate you. What do you think of me? And I answered, I think you were handsome once, but your cruelty has spoiled your looks. Still, one can't be too particular in hell. You'll do, and your friend also. I shall take you both. Well, we have to be consulted first, he replied, and I don't intend to go with you. I seized her hands at once, down on your knees, and placed your neck be beneath my heel, I hissed. 
For a brief moment, she tried to resist and fell groaning and sobbing at my feet and did as I bade her. Now sit back in your seat. Remember, you are my slave, I said, and then addressed the other. What's your name? Violet. Indeed, a pretty name like your companions, especially for such a cruel devil as you are. However, I am more savage still, so you'd better obey me at once. Down on your knees and Rose, and do as Rose did. She did so without a murmur. Again, this is a very cruel person doing these things. It's, it's, it's not nice. After a little desultory conversation, the curtain rose, the noise of quarreling gradually subsided as the plot unfolded itself. The officer said, I do not propose you give the plot. Suffice to say, it through lust and vice of every description were enacted in full detail before our eyes. It passed to its culminating point in the torture chamber of the Inquisition. My male slave, who had been sitting quietly up to now, whispered, we had better fly now, master. At the end of this scene, the inquisitors invariably raid the audience and carry some of them onto the stage to torture them. So even as he ceased, the grand inquisitor stepped forward and pointing at him, cried, come here, wretched man. And the miserable creature with livid terror written on his features rose and if drawn against his will, began his way to make his way out of the seat and towards the stage. I at once resented this for he was my slave and at once taken from me. I might not be able to recover him. It was an open assault on my domination, and I could not permit it. I rose at once. So there's officers saying, okay, you're not going to dominate him. He goes, let that man alone. He is mine. If you want to torture someone fresh, torture yourself. And a low shriek of excitement passed around the theater as the audience scented a fierce battle. The chief inquisitor glared at me. You are evidently a stranger here, or you would not dare to thus openly defy me. Well, it's time you learned your first lesson. Come up to the stage and do battle with me. And the officer said, no, you come down here. And I answered, then a fierce battle began between our wills. I always have had an iron will and stood me in good stead that day. The magnetic attraction sent out from the stage was tremendous, but I successfully resisted it and willed that he should come to me. For a long time, we thus struggled when suddenly a yell broke out from the audience. My enemy had been compelled to move a step forward. Next instant, however, it sprung back, and I felt my jif myself jerked forward sharply. The yell from the audience made my mind wander for a moment, but I, at once I redoubled my efforts, and ere long again he stepped toward me. This time, however, there was no return. Again another step, and then he began to move slowly towards the edge of the platform. At the edge he hesitated and struggled desperately. Then, with a wild shriek, pitched forward into the orchestra, the members of which were scattered in all direction. A wild yell of delight arose from all who sought. Then he rose and crawled slowly toward me, climbing over the stalls, and the audience got out of his way, for they still feared him. At length he knelt on the stall in front of me. Then I spoke, go back to the stage and I will follow. So here's a, a war of wills between two spirits. Now, let me be perfectly clear here. These are two spirits who are drenched in evil intentions, bad intentions, in spiritual immaturity. And yet they still have a focus of will and a great intellectual capacity. Now, if a spirit came, a spirit from a level of heaven or an angel or whatever came, and, th and that spirit was in that theater, that spirit would, there would be absolutely no contest. They would completely dominate everyone in that theater, including the officer and then that, that grand inquisitor on the stage. 
such is the power of spirits. There is, there is nothing, there is nothing that the spirit world fears of this lower zone in the dark abyss. It's just a place where unruly students go for them to learn a lesson. And within them, just like the Lord of the Flies type of thing, they have their battles. But these are all immature, really spiritually weak people fighting it out over very little. And that's why I want to make sure everybody understands this is, and you know, this is just a temporary stage for these poor people. So then he said, okay, I drove him before me and now completely beaten, vaulted lightly onto the stage and there made his assistant inquisitors inflict all their most devilish torments upon him. The applause was deafening. And when we had seen enough, I turned to get down from the stall. The stage, a great shout arose. You shall be our emperor. Raise the standard of revolt against the tyrant. And the officer said, but it did not suit me to enter at once on conflict with that powerful will. I needed to know more about the city before I attempted anything so risky. The officer was pretty smart. At the same time, I knew that the conflict was about to come. I knew also that it would be impossible to hide for long what had happened at the theater. Once the emperor knew what had happened, he would send danger and take measures accordingly. I therefore replied, silence. I have no wish to rule here, so as long as I'm not attacked by him, I shall remain loyal to the emperor. At these words, a titter ran round the building, and several murmured, he's afraid. Silence, you dogs, I shouted. If you breathe one word of what happened here, I will inflict the most horrible tortures on you that it is possible to imagine. And then a man yelled in the salt, the emperor will defend us from you. In an instance, I had him on stage and bade the inquisitors flay him alive. If I use such material language, it is because by no other means can I convey what was done. It looked like flaying to the audience, and it felt like that to the man. But of course, there was no physical skin to flay. Nevertheless, the result was the same. Then I dismissed the spectators, and calling to me the two women in my slave, myself left the building. So again, again, we have seen these same type of things happen in other spiritist writings where a you know a man went on the stage a doctor who recently died was forced onto the stage and they tortured him and what they did is they they knew everything he ever did wrong and then they used when he did wrong they also did anatomy lessons on him when they talked about different organs they'd slid open his skin and say okay here's the liver they take it out and when they were done they threw him into this you know cave and then he kind of woke up later and he was all all the in the same as a whole again because He's really a logical construction. He just thought he was being tortured. And then, of course, by thinking he was being tortured, he felt the torture. And this is the same thing happened to this poor person up on the stage being flayed alive. He thought his skin was being taken off. There would be no blood to show. There would just be skin. And, of course, this person would not die. He would just be in his mind in great pain. This is, this is really the underside of, of what's there. And... So when you're thinking, okay, what happens to these really terrible people? He's talking about Nero. Okay, there's an actual name for you. What about Mao and Stalin and Fidel Castro? Those people who have tortured and taken advantage of people, have done terrible things. Ivan the Terrible. I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows who the officer was? He had such a good will. Um, who knows what these, those, these poor spirits? And remember, someday... These people will all become higher spirits. They will become good spirits. Good. 
loving, bountiful, right? people who want to serve, all of these, you know, even Mao and Stalin will become good people, a good spirit, but it may take them a long time because they have a lot to atone for. And I'm sure when they died, this is the type of area they went to. So then he said, I dismissed the spectators and calling to me the two women and, and my slave left the building. He goes, I suppose you can find me a house, I inquired of the man. He goes, yes, master, which, which, what of this one? It belongs to a well-known murderer, an Italian of the Renaissance. I think you would find it more convenient than one of the ancient Roman villas. This will do. And then he says, we hammered at the door, and the manservant opened it and struck at me. In a moment, I hurled him on the floor. Stamp on his face, I cried to the women, and Rose did with the greatest delight. I rushed up a flight of marble stairs, all cracked and filthy, and into a large salon. Here, the master of the house sat surrounded by women. I sprang at him and hurled him out of the window and appropriated for my own use the house and all that it contained, including the women and the servants. Now, I think that is sufficient for this time. He goes, so this is the story he's, he's, he's told so far. So, again, there's there's no law. This is like living down in the in the medieval times or in the, in you know, the, the tribal barbaric times where there's a, an army comes to your city, takes your city, enslaves all of you, takes whatever house they want because might is right. And this is really one of the reasons Socrates was killed. In around 400 BC, Socrates, who was a precursor to, to Jesus Christ, was trying to tell a lot of the, the tenets of, of the New Testament, right? You should treat others as you want to be treated. You should love others. You, sh you should forgive. You know, there is a moral code. And one of the reasons Socrates was killed because he was telling students, like, just because you have the power doesn't mean you can use it. There is a, there is a moral code that one must go for right? One must follow. And of course, the people of Athens didn't like that, and they had him killed. Again, it's almost we're going through the same thing with moral relativity. The people, when they when they hear people talk that there are a set of morals that you have, and you have from God given to each one of us born, you have your conscience, which is a set of divine laws, and your instincts, which is built up in life after life. That's why you need to learn to filter all your good, bad, different, stupid, wonderful ideas through your conscience. Make sure that they are correct and you don't feel stressed. If you if you think you're going to do something but you feel stressed about it, it means don't do it. So, so this is why it's important for us to know that there is a set of divine laws and these people are violating it. So then the, the medium said, please stop a moment. And the officer said, no, we're done for the day. He goes, I want to ask you one or two questions. And then he said, okay, please be quick or you've been here long enough. He goes, can you give me any details about the gladiators which are likely to be unknown to the historians of the present day? And the officer said, well, I don't know. I don't exactly know how much they know, but I expect they are fairly well up on the subject. There is, I believe, a fair amount of evidence about. Perhaps, however, you don't know this fact. The gladiators advance on one side in a sort of triangle and, and on the other in a solid phalanx. As soon as the triangle or point of the wedge struck the flannix, the latter divided like a pair of scissors and then closed in on the sides of the wedge. Do you understand this? Quite, I replied. And, and which is the correct rendering of the thumbs reversed? Is it up or down to save the man? So before I said this, they divided like a pair of scissors. So again, this is 
you read this in the, the Roman battles of that day of where, you know, they would, they would be in these cohorts and that they would have different, you know, different, um, uh, functions and foundations and, 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 and different ways of, of showing themselves for battle. And there was also this, this very famous battle that the Romans had against uh, revolt in Britain, where they made themselves like scissors where, you know, we had those scissors where these cross hatched, you know, like triangle teeth, right? Those cloth scissors. And they do that when they have a lot of uh, ill-disciplined troops going after them because it gives them more room to kill people with their short swords, right? They leave their shield out and they stab with the short swords and they, th and after they, they, they throw their, their javelin, which they, it's really, it's just a one use thing. Then they go into this, this, um, uh, formation is the word I'm looking for. And then they can kill more people faster in that pl plane. And this Roman, uh, army was vastly outnumbered, but they just destroyed the, the, the Britons that were there at the time. So then he said, well, what is the correct one rendering of thumbs reversed? Is it up or down to save the man? And the officer said, well, I'm afraid I can't answer that query. No question of saving any gladiator ever arose. Firstly, of course, they can't die. And secondly, no one in the city of hate ever desired to save any man from suffering. Half the interest in these shows lay in the fact that the victor tortured his conquered foe. So again, think about the think about in Rome and, and the gladiator. So this is, and, you know, and we said before, and, and the officer said that, you know, you would think you would feel pity and remorse for these four poor people in this Colosseum, but in actuality, the audience absorbed it and wanted more and more bloodshed, which I think is a lot is what happens in our real, in, in Rome probably at the time is that these people, you were, they're just used to this stage of cruelty which is very unfortunate. So, it, and this is why one of the reasons I think the spirit world knew they had to completely tear down Rome and start the dark ages because they'd just gone off, right? In the book On the Way to the Light by the spirit Emmanuel, he talks about the fact that in Rome was supposed to be a city on the hill that was going to help other, other cities and other tribes throughout throughout the world at that at that time to become more civilized because Rome had great, as we know, had many good things about it, had great organization, had uh, aqueducts, you know, sanitary water, um, all these sewers, roads, reading and writing. They're very organized. They had a, a very good concept of the family. All these things were positive. But as Emmanuel said, they they took their power and they just wanted more and more wealth and they wanted to be dominant over other, other cities, other countries, right? They wanted to take over as much as they can, so they have as much power as possible. And therefore, what did the spirit world do? They said, okay, well, we'll destroy you. And you who were so powerful in Rome at the time, you're gonna be, you're gonna be the peasants and serfs of the land, you know, and during the dark ages, and you're gonna be afraid of being, you know, enslaved or killed by roving bands of, you know, Bandits are armies. And this is a central theme of what spiritism tells us is we are all here independently for us to become better and better spirits, right? We don't want to go into the lower zone. We don't want to go into purgatory because it's not a good place to be. And we learn through life after life how to be, get rid of these primitive emotions. But 
besides us as a individual, we are as a collective whole. And the spirit realm around the earth, heaven around the earth, as led by Jesus Christ, his job as the CEO, let's say, president of this, of this campus, the dean of this campus, one could say, is to lead the collective student body to a higher plane of existence. That is from a planet of atonement, where we live and life after life, we pay for our past wrongs, to a planet of regeneration, which we are at the start of now, where we will not have wars and all that hate and envy. We have a little bit of that, but it will be less and less as the human collective gets better. And that is the real apocalypse. You know, in the apocalypse, say all these people who, who you know, who, who are not saved, right? They will be sent to hell forever. No, it's not the way it is. In the apocalypse, as described by spiritism, is really a dividing in the spirit world of the spirits who refuse to improve themselves while on earth. They will be sent to other planets as a, either a primitive level planet or a planet of atonement like the earth is for them to keep learning. Those who have accepted the uh, curriculum given to them and have learned through it to become a better person will then stay on earth become to be part of a planet of regeneration. Now, at this cycle, we have been told that we are going to start becoming, and we actually, uh, about the year 2000, become a planet of regeneration. There's been other cycles of technology where men have, have increased your technology, but not the morality in which the spirit world said, no, we're going to destroy the civilization. And the spirit of Manuel says this has happened before. And also the spirits in talking to the Reverend G. Val Owen. In fact, I talk about this uh, in my, in my books, heaven and below. And also spirits in the spirit universe and how we are guided by spirits. In fact, this is the one really, which is a one should about the, the earth. There we are. Well, so what has happened in the past is there are there have been, they said there's there've been Atlantis, there's been Lemuria, there's been other civilizations that have risen themselves up. This is from multiple sources. And yet they were advanced technology with technology, but not morality. And in fact, these they were said in one of the books by G. Val Owen that in Atlantis, they even had like laser technology. They had radio waves. They, they knew that much. And yet they were completely destroyed. And he says there were other civilizations, which we shall not tell you, that were also brought up and then destroyed. Now, how interesting is that? So we have been through this before. You know, we think we are, you know, this, this technology, you know, so advanced and we're so smart. We're actually nothing compared to what the spirit world is, of course. And as I said before, the spirit world in the lower levels of heaven is always 50 to 100 years advanced. So when people come to earth, they are open to when these new inventions come and they use them. So anyway, so this is how we're being led so we have here on earth we have this seemingly chaos and that's for us to learn in certain circumstances and for us to learn under certain stimuli that affect us affect us as a whole given this pandemic we have now this is a stimuli to affect to affect the earth in a certain way and in fact there's been spiritist me messages which i have on my site saying look 
after the fact, you will learn why you had this pandemic. It's there's a reason for it. You will learn why this was this was useful for many purposes. So and and so when people say, oh, you know, if there is a God, why is he so cruel? Well, that's because you're thinking that God and Jesus and the spirit world is cruel because you see these people leave the earth, people who are good and bad things happen to them and good things happen to bad people. But that's because your focus is so narrow. You have to look at them over uh, over lifetimes and see that a lot of these good people are paying for past wrongs and therefore they even ask for that trial so they could learn to be a better person. And some people are taken young because that was their plan. Some people are taken young because their plan was just to be on earth for a short time to learn or experience something. As an example, the spirit Emmanuel, who was the spirit mentor of Chico Xavier. Emmanuel was sent to live in Brazil. Now, Chico Xavier was born, I think, in like 1910 or 11. I'm probably off in that date. Spirit Emmanuel was sent to Brazil so he could learn modern Portuguese. He only lived like 20 or 21. He died early. Really nice guy. And probably people said, oh, that poor guy died early. Well, yes, he did. But his reason to be on earth was he could learn modern Portuguese, come back to the spirit world, and then be the spirit mentor for Chico Xavier and able to write books and, and dictate and communicate with him in modern Portuguese. So everything has a reason. And this is what's so exciting about the spirit world. So I want to say, please uh, remember to subscribe, hit the bell. Please hit the up, uh, the up arrow and tell your friends. And, you know, go to my site, nwspiritism.com. You can find a lot of information. I also have my book, Spiritism 101, the third, gen, uh, the third revelation. And it's on my site, nwspiritism.com. And if you look on the right-hand side navigation bar, I have it on Kindle, on paperback, and audio. And I also have on PDF. So if you want it free on PDF, it's yours for free on PDF. So I want to say God bless and thank you for everyone for being with me tonight. God bless.